Good evening. For the past two and a half hours, our audience has been trying to work out how on earth the consultants got to where they are today. See if you can help them using this seven-inch jingle. We're getting on. We're moving through. We're stepping up. We've jumped the queue. If I get much higher, I'll come out on top. You can keep on ringing, but I'll never stop. We're in the fast lane, so hold on tight. Can you work out what's gone right? <laughs> We're, We're on a bus. <laughs> We're on a bus. The consultant is recorded in front of a bribed studio audience. <laughs> Gentlemen, I'm glad you could make it. Not, not a, a problem. problem. Now, I know I'm not stepping on any bubbles or bursting anyone's toes when I tell you things haven't been going well for us. We're losing money like a bank with a hole in it. I've had my back against the wall so long they had to wallpaper my suit. We've done less business than a withered gigolo. Well, we may not be in charge for much longer. We're in the middle of a hostile takeover. Hey, I'm not having some long-haired lilac ponce flounce in here and shout at me while he stencils my desk. That would be a hostile makeover, but <laughs> it's the same difference. Let me explain. Yesterday, I was approached by the beautiful and well-respected lady boss of a rival company. Woo! No, her name's Pat. Anyway, she took me for dinner and she was dressed to kill. What was she wearing? Balaclava. <laughs> she showed me a report that she claimed clearly demonstrated our business practices are utterly inadequate. Now, reading between the lines... I missed all the words, but it boils down to these three key points. Firstly, she says that we lack the common touch. But I eat with my mouth open. And I've played bingo on an allotment. And my butler saw a football in a shop once, so she couldn't have got it more wrong. <laughs> Secondly, according to her, we're old-fashioned. Poppycock. Baldash. Ooh, I've left the Pontefract cakes behind the counting engine. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Thirdly, she said we jumped to conclusions. Well, there you go. She's jealous. Yeah, and a robot. Spot on, Travis. <laughs> Now, the takeover takes place at noon o'clock. This is a very dangerous situation. It's touch and go. Like the shampoo? No, but there might be a solution. One of us is going to have to marry her. Of course. We take her over. And how do we do that? Couple of dates, fine wines, a weekend in Kiev, and then bang. What was that? Poppy the question. What's the question? Will you marry me? I'd love to, Teddy. <laughs> oh. Well, that's us spoken for, which leaves Chesney... <laughs> Which leaves Chesney to Pat Woo. You mean Woo Pat? Correct. Right, so it's 11 o'clock now. That leaves me one hour to get married. I can't afford any hitches. I'll need a best man. Willis, give me a ring. Certainly. Ah, Willis, I'm glad you phoned. I wondered if you'd be my best man. Oh, I can't. I'm in a meeting. Fair enough. <laughs> right, I'll go and get married immediately. got lost. <laughs> I ended up in a bell shop. <laughs> I'll try again. They'll make a lovely couple. Yes. Perhaps we'll soon be hearing the patter of tiny feet. What do you mean? I've hired a dwarf to cover him while he's on his honeymoon. <laughs> the marriage is over. Already? But you look so good in that dress. It turns out she was already married to her job. She's been thrown in jail for bigamy and I got all of her money as compensation. So no takeover? The company is secure. Well, now you're on your own again. Why didn't you come on a bender with me and Teddy? No can do, fellas. 
Now I'm a single mum with a high-powered job. I've got to write a report, motivate a workforce, take little Kiki to ballet, and Mungo's got ping-pong. <laughs> Didn't realise the marriage had borne fruit. Yeah, my two kids. I love them to bits. They're my world. Then again, I do fancy a pint. I'll put them in care. Let's go and get hammered. <laughs> oh, Chesney! <laughs> Robin Hood, Robin Hood, riding through the glen. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, with his band of men. Feared by the bad, loved by the good. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Robin Hood. Robin, what are you wearing? So what do you reckon the coat, yeah? It's real fur, boy. Feel that? I think the merry men are going to be pre-impressed, yeah? Yes, Robin, I'm sure they will. What are you saying, little John? This is proper mink. And look at my blings, quality. No, not with green tights, it's not. Green and gold's very in this year, according to my Lady Marion. Hey, check my new horse. <laughs> yeah, it's well fast, boy. I put a spoiler on it. I lowered the legs so it rides closer to the ground. <laughs> This, uh, th this all looks rather expensive. Where did you get it? I got contacts, associates. Oh, for goodness sake, Robin. What did I tell you? What? What did I tell you? I said, no fur coats, no jewellery, no horses, nothing to attract any attention. We've got 50 sheriff's men constantly watching us now. You're prancing around looking like a pimp. <laughs> it's important that I project an image that befits the leader of the merry men. Oh, Robin, I thought we'd agreed on all this. We steal from the rich and we give it to the poor. That's the deal. Oh, what's with this, with this gangster act? I'm on the outside, boy. I'm above the law. I'm trouble. Oh, just stop it. It's pathetic. <laughs> Sorry. No, you, you can't go drawing attention to us. It's very selfish. What about that 28-piece silver platter set with matching goblets? Have you given it back to the poor? We might have guessed one day you need to cook a nice dinner. Oh, what, in a forest? Who's coming? The bears? Mr. and Mrs. Moose? Look! <laughs> I like nice things. Is that crime? Well, yes, it's all nicked. I mean, I wouldn't mind if you gave it away, but you just hoard it. Is it because I call you Little John all the time? No. I'm sorry I teased you in the shower. No, it's not that. Sup, Robin. Sup, Little John. Peace. Peace out, Will Scarlet. <laughs> Man, that is a wicked fur coat, Robin. Oh, not you as well. What are you saying, Little John? Listen up, yeah? Basic. We want to drop this whole merry menting and call ourselves Robin's crew from the hood. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm down with that. No, no, it doesn't mean anything, Will. You will now call me Fly Scarlet. No, I won't. <laughs> right, top, want to be known as Topmaster Funk. No. <laughs> well, look, look, just listen, Will. The man's name is Fly. Now, you listen to me, yeah, because we're the majority. We knew you was going to be like this, yeah? That's why I've given you a name. I don't want a name. I'm perfectly The daddy. <laughs> the what? The daddy. Hmm. Now you come to mention it, that does sound, you know, quite rare. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's sorted then. Fly, top master, and the daddy, let's bust the move. Sweet Mary and her ladies are coming over, and they've been spending a fortune down the plastic apothecary, getting their bangers bigged up. <laughs> <laughs> We are storytellers. We forge our craft through village and hamlet. Oh, 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 oh,
ancient employment. We tell tales, we spin yarns for your ears and enjoyment. Come a farmer, come housewife, come young and come old. Now let our stories be told. <laughs> Michael Smath, right, he used to live above a shop. And one day, he looked out the window, and he saw this bloke come in the shop, and then every day, right, he'd see this bloke come in the shop, uh, uh, every single day, he'd come in the shop, out the shop, he never bought anything, probably. So anyway, four years later, right, Uncle Smash looking out the window, for the first time ever, the bloke don't come in the shop. Smaff goes, that's weird, and he goes down to see what's up, right? He goes in the shop, right? He looks out the window, it's like a great big, you know, Porsche going past, and, and the bloke is driving it. Uncle Smaff, right, reckoned by not buying anything, he had saved enough for a Porsche, so he goes upstairs, and every single thing has been nicked from his flat, right? Every single thing. Chairs, furnitures, clothes, the lot. Right, so he goes, oh, no, and he goes to the window, and there, right... There is a Porsche driving past again with Smaff's dressing gown hanging out the boots. <laughs> and that, right, is a true story. I have another pint of Malibu, please. I, uh, I think you've had enough, mate. Actually. Now, I don't understand. It's my job. I'm a drunk, that's my profession Sloppy slurred and there to step in At a moment's notice when a sot is what's required A lush, a soak, a human sink My very bones are made of drink Just call me out, discuss the price And then I'm hired Who was that loaded, boozy, smoky man Who started the karaoke at the office party He was battered, singing Mustang Sally backwards <laughs> That was me, that was yours truly I was hired to be unruly by your boss Who paid me handsomely to sing before him dreadfully Cause a tone-deaf wailing boozer Would make him sound like Caruso <laughs> I'm a drunk, that's my profession Floppy slurred and there to step in At a moment's notice when a sot is what is lacking Inebriated, desecrated By the white wine, quite sedated Down my number, pour the scotch and let's get cracking do you remember how your plainer friend who never had much luck with men Buckteeth boss-eyed halitosis, large of girth and of proboscis How blissfully she told you of the man who had enfolded her Who was that mystery lover? It was me, paid by her mother Because even Casanova couldn't do her daughter sober <laughs> I'm a drunk, that's my profession, sloppy slurred and there to step in at a moment's notice when a sot just can't be sourced. It's not just for the crack, I am a boozic, backache, helpful dipsomaniac, that's my excuse, what's yours? <laughs> Ours is a noble profession, if it be stories you seek, then come join our procession. We travel all seasons when hot and when cold. Now let our stories be told. My Uncle Smaff, right, he's gone down the fair, yeah, gone straight in the apple bobbin tent, right, he's cleared up, right, because Smaff, right, only person there who knows if you rub apples on velvet, makes them float, yeah? So he won the lot, right? As a prize, yeah, he gets to pull three letters out of a brand top. Everyone else gets one, right? Smaff gets three, right? He pulls them out. Guess what letters are? That's right, F. B.I., right? And Smaff's gone, oh, no, right? And at that exact moment, right, an American bloke on the other side of the tent takes a photo of him. Oh, Smaff was livid, right? He goes over to this yank bloke, rips out the film from his camera, goes straight down snappy snaps with it, right? Anyway, the photos was all blurred, but the bloke who developed the photos, right, he reckons a picture of Smaff's face would be in a satellite, probably, right? Turns out he's a copper. And that is a true story. <laughs>
now it's time to dip into the consultant's radio archive. This week, the Rubberdub Diary, a tale from their awkward literary adaptation series, Voices of Books, originally broadcast on the home service in 1958. Somebody help me. Look, there's one. Quick, pull him in. You're all right now. And so I was. One of only three survivors of HMS Maddis Piper bound for Cape Town. Weary, sodden and adrift at the mercy of the winds in our tiny wooden skiff. As the hours passed in that cold exposed shell, we fell to talking. I'm a butcher by trade. I run a small shop in Malmsey. I was on my way to a loaf convention in Port Elizabeth. I'm a baker, you see. Ah, I'm a candlestick maker. <laughs> I don't suppose any of us knows how to sail a boat. No. no. And so we floated for days, delirious and near starving, until we ran aground upon the shores of a sandy island. We dragged ourselves onto the beach and began to make plans. Right, well, I'll see if I can't get some hunting done. If I could capture some sort of animal, I could slaughter it and prepare the meat. Excellent work, Jackson. I'll look around for any native grain or wheat plants and then collect wood for a fire. I think I'll make a candlestick. <laughs> right. Right. More sausage, anyone? Mm. Yes, thanks. Some bread? Oh, yes, it's lovely. Mm. Would you um, like to hold the candlestick? <laughs> no, thanks. No, thanks. Good day hunting? Yes, I'll soon have stored enough meat to keep us fed for another week at least. And I'm cultivating a patch of oats and barley. I may even be able to use the wild yeast to brew us some beer with a bit of luck. Yes, and I've been thinking about opening a candlestick shop, or perhaps organising a craft fair. Yeah, we really need to talk about this. I'm not sure I follow you. Look, Frost's busy cooking and I'm off hunting all day, but soon the rains may come and we'll need some sort of shelter. Oh, of course, the candlesticks would walk. No! No more candlesticks. Could you not do something more useful? Something more useful. How that phrase rang in my ear. I bade goodnight to my fellow castaways, crept despondently into my doughy bed and laid my head on my goat. As I fell to fitful slumber, I began dreaming of the sounds of... Archie Struts and his swinging nuts! Good evening, I'm Archie Struts, and here are my swinging nuts. This evening we're going to be singing for you Honolulu Mermaid. <laughs> Well, I was alone at sea, and then I met a mermaid lady. She had long brown legs and the head of a cod, which isn't quite what a mermaid shod. <laughs> Not much conversation, but a lovely pair of pins. I tried to take her dancing, but I pulled off both her fins. Mermaid! Good night. Eventually, I managed to get the sound of Archie Strutz and his swinging nuts out of my head. I fell instead to dreaming of my father. This family have always been candlestick makers. The grandfather were a candlestick maker and his father before him. I've been a candlestick maker 
And thee'll be a candlestick maker and I shall hear no more about it. But father, I wish to do something more useful with my life. Candlesticks are useful. And a candlestick maker you shall remain to the day they die. To the day they die. <laughs> How could I betray my poor father? He had been the swiftest, finest candlestick maker in all of England. Until the machines came. <laughs> Nevertheless, I knew my companions needed more from me. The following evening, I could barely conceal my excitement as we sat down to examine my grand contribution to our survival. Come on, come on, Frost. What do you think? Was it the baker on the beach? Ah, quite right. But what do you think the murder weapon might be? Is it the candlestick? Yes, yes, it is. Yes. Well, well done. Another game? No. If I ever see another candlestick, I'm going to stick it up your... Jackson. <laughs> Now's not the time. No, I think it is, actually. This is your last chance. Make something to benefit our meagre island existence or Frost and I'll set you adrift. I fled, tears streaming down my now bewhiskered face. Had I not done enough? As I turned to the heavens for inspiration, to my amazement I spied a familiar form on the horizon. Well, it's a ship! A ship! My good fellows, we're saved! A ship? Quickly, we must attract its attention. I knew at once what to do, and grasping my tools, I fell upon the largest of the kapok trees that grew atop the hill. What's he building? A, a treehouse? Take a wild guess. Right. That does it. Stop that crazed whittling and get down here immediately. Stand fast, Jackson. If you want to be saved from an eternity on this island, then listen to me for once. Bring me all the spare goat fat you can find. Goat fat? What are you blathering about? You'll see, Jackson, and hurry. Frost, I need you to fetch me a baguette. But the last batch was burnt. All the better, man. I'm almost done. There it is. My finest work. Here's the fat. Shall I pass it up? Yes, and quickly, too. Jackson tossed me a rope and I pulled the bucket of goat fat to where I stood in the cup of my giant candlestick. I quickly poured it over my head and rubbed it into my clothes and hair. Now, Frost, throw me your baguette. Here it comes. I held the smouldering baguette aloft and said a silent prayer. Hang on. I think I understand now. The ship. The candlestick. By thunder, man, don't do it! My word, it's a candle. A human candle. I'm right. So very bright. We must put him out. Climb up there. I can't. The ornate detailing forms an unassailable overhang. <laughs> I'll make you proud of me yet, Father. Oh, I, I was going to do steak pie tonight, but that's put me right off. <laughs> my body burnt for only an hour, but my spirit burns there still unsnuffable. And my selfless act is remembered to this day. Should you ever sail into Butcher's Bay on Baker's Island, make your way to the gift shop, and there, right at the back, you'll find a little plastic candlestick for 50p. Ours is the spoken tradition. Our tongues are our tools. We are oral magicians. Come taste of our yarn as our tales unfold. Now let our stories be told. My uncle Smaffroy, he went down the wetland centre, guessed a goose's name and wanted dinner. Goose was called Israel. The dinner was grapes, but Smaff's allergic to grapes. He's one grape. He's dead, eats two, it's the antidote, he'll be all right. Anyway, he was furious, so he'd done a poo in the dinner and bunged it off a cliff. And that, right, is a true story. 
So, if you could take a look at the letters on the board behind me and read them out, please. Why? Well, it's one of the ways we find out how good or bad your eyesight is. G. Well, yes. <laughs> I suppose that is a little surprising. So, if you ignore the top two letters now and go straight to the second row. L-O. Yes. Hello. Now, I'm not sure that you're quite following this. Now, just look at, say, the fourth row from the bottom and tell me what you see. I see you. Well, that's a start. But what about the letters? What, what letters do you see? I see you, XL. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far. I'm, I'm a good optician, but... Uh... You are S-X-E-Q-T? <laughs> oh, um, well, that's, uh, that's very flattering. Thank you, but um, on you go. U-F-S-X-E-S? <clears throat> well, I uh, try to keep in trim, but uh, gosh, perhaps we should just press on with the eye test. R-U-C-N-N-E-B-U-D-Y? <laughs> now, that, that's really, really not your business, but, uh, you know, I, I, am, I am in a sort of relationship, yes. Oh, are you? <laughs> well, no. I'm, I'm single at the moment. I have been for a while, but I, I, I don't normally discuss private things with, with patients. K-G-R-U? No. No, not, not really. I'm, I'm just a bit shy. Can, can, we just, can we just do the eye test, please? I am M.T. Oh. You... You feel like that too, do you? Y-M-I-L-O-N. I, I don't know. Why should any of us be alone? I mean, I see 20 patients a day and then I go home and don't speak to anyone until I come back here the next day. I eat alone, I sleep alone. I need someone so badly, do... Do you need someone too? Well... I've finished the chart. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, I've read all the letters now. Oh. Oh, yes. I see. Well done. Um, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with your eyesight. You, you can go. It's, it's, it's perfect. Thanks. Perfect. You're perfect. <laughs> Ours is the rustic career. Our tails are our seed and the sod is your ears. Come swallow our beans, let our roots take their hold. Now let our stories be told. My old smash, right? He welded a Volvo to a suitcase, made the world's first van. <laughs> Guess how much he earned a week? Thousand pounds. Treble that. Wait, three thousand pounds. Treble that. He drove it to a fancy dress party, right? But because he, he was dressed at a desk, he couldn't reach the pedals, right? He crashed it, right? Then, when he got to the party, everyone just, like, put their drinks on him all night. He was livid. He went, oh, no. But he got really drunk off all their drinks, right? But he had to walk back, and he was so drunk, right? He fell in a stationer's, right? He ate some pens, some papers, and then he ate a stapler. And that went in his guts, and it shut his bum. <laughs> and that, right is a true story. <laughs> Hello, I've, uh, I've filled in all my forms. I had a, 
I'd like to join the library, please. I shall have to acquaint you with some of the rules and regulations of the library. Oh, I'm quite an experienced library user. It's the law. Oh. Oh, I see. Rule number one, absolute silence. Rule number two, no eating. Rule number three... No drinking. Rule number four, no fighting. This library's rubbish. (laughs) If only I could go back to the other library, the one with the lovely lady. One wet Wednesday afternoon, I saw my lending library lovely. Raven-haired, she stamped my Raymond Chandler, and my heart dissolved. So I stayed till closing time I reckoned that to make her mine I'd have to woo her bookishly I Daniel steeled my dissolve <laughs> Oh library lady would you care To join me for a cup of T.S. Eliot Or perhaps a glass of Barbara Pins and lemonade Harperly she gazed at me Then locked the door I took her Wilkie Collins in my hand And we began to promenade <laughs> This was certainly a Mills and Boone Had I been to Thomas Fullhardy But she shared my feelings I was pretty damn Bernard Shaw <laughs> So I told her how I felt She dimmed the lights I dropped my Orwells She grasped me by the dictionaries We fell J.K. Rowling to the floor <laughs> But the library hall is no place to seduce It's too Jane ostentatious T'would be Rudyard Kipling there We might get seen Tom Clancy that so we crept into the fiction section out of view And there I lay down with my lively lady on the coconut mat Oh, she said this itchy floor is bound to give me a thesaurus <laughs> I built a bed of Mary Wesley's upon which she could uncoil With a photocopier light on for a pillow, Michael Crichton <laughs> Tenderly she placed her hand upon my Conan Doyle <laughs> She was Oscar Wilde in bed Like a leaping salmon rushed he headlong into passion Personally, I was a bit too Jonathan Swift (laughs) I could have done with a hardback edition Rather than my floppy old paperback grisham But I gave her the full Bronte And she didn't seem too miffed But our affair, it never lasted Something went Kingsley amiss She found another lover with a larger print than mine I was Graham Green with envy I was Somerset Maudlin, I felt empty but my Philip Roth soon passed one day I'll cease my lovelorn crying Now I sit here feeling sorry Grasping my Daphne du Maurier A dewy decimal teardrop on my cheek once more Occasionally I reminisce And an Evelyn war escapes my lips <laughs> Remembering my Dickens on the lending library floor Rule 72, no biscuits. Rule 73, no alcohol. Rule 74, no mobile phones. Rule 75, definitely no guitars. (laughs) Sorry. The Consultants was written and performed by the Consultants with additional material from James Eldred and the voice of Geoffrey Wheeler. Music and noises were by George Cockrell and Jerry Peel. The consultants are Neil Edmond, Justin Edwards and James Rawlings. The producer was Will Saunders. (laughs) 